Music for the Cinema Geekly Podcast is brought to you by freemusicarchive.org. The Free Music Archive is an interactive library of high-quality, legal audio downloads. The Free Music Archive is directed by WFMU, the most renowned freeform radio station in America. Inspired by Creative Commons and the open-source software movement, the FMA provides a legal and technological framework for curators, artists, and listeners to harness the potential of music sharing. Specific music for the Cinema Geekly podcast is brought to you by BuskerDroid. Visit them on the internet at buskerdroid.com or at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash buskerdroid. It's time for the Cinema Geekly podcast, episode number five. My name is Anthony Lewis. I'm Dan Lewis. I'm Nick Montez. Uh, thanks for everybody uh, checking us out on cinemageekly.com or on iTunes if you happen to prefer to use that instead of the website. But I would urge you, in fact, uh, perhaps even threaten you to visit cinemageekly.com. But hey, you know what? Even if uh, cinemageekly.com isn't your thing, we have all of the social networks covered now. We're on Facebook. Cinema Geekly uh, is on Facebook at facebook.com slash cinemageekly, twitter.com slash cinemageekly, and we actually just opened uh, the Google Plus page. Oh! Yeah, Google Plus has uh, started allowing pages, and um, it is... Do they have... Do we have a MySpace? Uh, no MySpace, sir. And uh, unfortunately, because Google Plus, for some reason, has not latched on to the idea that everybody should have a simple easy to uh, remember URL to their account. You have to go and get uh, a shortened URL other places. Uh, so if you are a uh, Cinema Geekly fan and you are on Google Plus and want to add us into your circles there, just go to gplus.to slash Cinema Geekly. That's the uh, Google Plus shortened uh, URL out there for everybody. And uh, just, the, uh, just the three of us for right now. Hopefully Joe McDonald will be jumping in uh, eventually. He is online, but at the moment, missing in action. So we're just going to go right on in to our first segment, which, of course, talking about the top of the box office, because, hey, it was another slow news week. So uh, er, box office talk right off the bat, as usual. Um, Puss in Boots held on to the number one spot. Ooh. Yes, it was... Uh, we had a bit of a... We had a bit of a torn round table last week, if you remember, about what was going to be taking first place. Tower Heist ended up being in second place, believe it or not. Uh, it actually ended up with uh, fresh reviews from Rotten Tomatoes, 69% overall, which kind of surprised me, considering it was Brett Ratner uh, directing it, and Eddie Murphy, and uh, gosh, I can't remember, Ben Stiller. Gavity Sade was in it. Oh, really? Yeah, she was, she was a girl who was like... Uh... Tell him how to open the safe or something. And she's like, are you married? And he's like, no. What's up? <laughs> the that, that was the girl from uh, Precious based off the novel yeah. by Sapphire? Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is a novelization <laughs> of the movie Precious based off the novel. Uh, the movie that a few of you guys picked to be number one ended up in the third slot. A very Harold and Kumar Christmas 3D. Oh! In third. Uh, Paranormal Activity 3 was in fourth place. In Time in fifth. And uh, that was your uh, top five. Uh, J. Edgar, the uh, J. Edgar Hoover biopic with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Army Hammer, all of those guys. Uh, Clint Eastwood directed film. I've not heard good things about it. Uh, it it opened uh, on a late day. Um, that was uh, on a Wednesday, I do believe. So it did not it did not pull in a whole lot of money. It's uh, currently sitting at ninety eight thousand five hundred and thirty four domestic is how much it is made currently and uh for a movie that's supposed to be um you know uh, oscar bait i guess is the term the those movies that they like to try to sneak in to get uh, some oscar credit leonardo dicaprio by the way uh yet to win a a best male actor award uh from the oscars and i don't know if this is going to be his movie or not to do it in either it's towing 42 percent right now on rotten tomatoes and uh, the the gist I'm getting from it, Dan, is 
that it's it reads like a series of J. Edgar Hoover greatest hits, I guess. I, a, a Citizen Kane of J. Edgar Hoover. That's what I mean. It uh, like. It's not really a it's not really a character study. You don't really learn any of the uh, the the motivations or who the person really is. It sucks. That's that, that's I mean, not I, I, that I, good because Clint Eastwood is a really good filmmaker. Well, I I agree wholeheartedly. And his last movie was Hereafter, and that didn't do well critically either. So uh, the last Clint Eastwood movie I actually liked was. Uh, well, I mean, he did Grand Torino. I really liked Grand, Grand Torino. Was good and uh, Changeling. I also really liked. Um, but not all. Clint Eastwood. He could just film himself taking a crap. Well, that's true. Reviews, but people would be like, you know what? It's Clint Eastwood. <laughs> you can do what he wants. Yeah, I'd go uh, see it. I would do. Clint Eastwood taking a crap. Oh he, man, in three D, yeah. no less. In three D. Oh, yes. I don't. Uh, I don't think that's going to end up happening. But it it didn't end up doing too well. Um, speaking of the Oscars really quick, there was a, a whole Oscar fiasco that went on. Apparently, Uh-oh. I heard uh, something about it. Hey, uh, Brett Ratner, who, uh, I guess he was going to be the producer of the Oscars this year with Eddie Murphy hosting. I think we talked about it on a previous, uh, podcast. I'm not, I'm not positive, but I think we did mention it. And, um, I guess he was doing a Q and a or something for his movie tower heist, which also happens to have Eddie Murphy in it. Um, one of the, uh, one of the questions was something, I don't know, it was, it was something about, uh, the rehearsal process or something like that. And I guess, uh, Ratner said, quote, uh, rehearsals are for fags. So <laughs> good job. Quote, um, yeah, uh, not, not the best tact there. And shortly thereafter, uh, he announced his, uh, resignation from, uh, the producer's position apparently eddie murphy was having none of this was very upset by the notion that brett ratner has to leave and also left and i'm actually really happy with the replacements they got uh brian grazer to be the producer of the academy awards and he's actually an an actual producer um for movies like uh, a beautiful mind which won best picture a few years ago uh he's basically ron howard's right-hand man when it comes to producing films. Um, and they have Billy Crystal hosting the Oscars again, Dan. Now, didn't he appear on last year's Oscars? They didn't, didn't they do a cavalcade of, of old hosts or something? Yeah, they had, they had him, like, uh, We're all out, and then they had Bob Hope on some weird screen <laughs> talking and he was saying, it was like he was still there. And they were all better than Anne Hathaway and James Franco. Yes. Which was scary sad. What's his, uh, what's his name? Kirk Douglas was better than... Yes. <laughs> um, a couple of other pieces. He was actually hilarious. A couple of other pieces of news that uh, we should probably touch on real quick. Ridley Scott said he's going to be directing a Blade Runner sequel. Dan, have you heard about this? Is it going to be like the uh, the uh, alien the alien thing he made, where it was like it's going to be a sequel, but no, it's not going to be a sequel anymore. I don't know. Per- Prometheus. You mean Prometheus? Prometheus. Yeah, it's like it was. What did you say it was inspired by aliens or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think originally it was supposed to be a prequel to Aliens, and then they uh, or Alien, I should say, and um, I don't know. Then they changed their minds, I guess. No, they. Uh, um, no, he he specifically uh, said this. It was in an interview with the Wall Street Journal where he said, uh, "Blade Runner devotees may not have long to wait for a new movie because I think I'm close to finding a writer that might be able to help me deliver. We're quite a long way in, actually." So, I mean, I don't know. There you go. It's going to be uh, a sequel, but not starring anybody from the original film. So, no Harrison Ford uh, mum- <laughs> mumbling. Yes, no Harrison Ford <laughs> Benicio Del Toro is going to be the main bad guy, or at least one of the bad guys, in the Star Trek sequel. Did you hear about this, Dan? I know Nick is sitting over here like, I don't care about this stuff. Talk the about- guy from, uh, what was it, uh, Desperado? Uh, I think of another guy. Yeah, uh, well, De Toro has been in uh, License to Kill, which is a Bond film, one of the earlier Bond films. Uh, He was in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, He won an Oscar for his role in Traffic. He was in 21 Grams and Sin City as well. So, uh, I thought he was in. Who who was the guy who was in Desperado? um, I think uh, I think you're thinking Antonio Banderas. Oh, okay, yeah, he's that. Yeah, yeah. the guy. The guy who. uh, drops the F-bomb, but he does it in a way that you can understand it. Mm, yes. Um, so, <laughs> I'm not sure how I think about this, because um, 
the first thing I thought of when I saw Del Toro was I think they they wanted a, they want him to be Khan. That's the first thing I thought of. And um, Star Trek fanboys are gonna go into hysterics if that's the case. Oh yeah, there's only one Khan. <laughs> oh yeah, right, right. There's only one Joker too. It's Jack Nicholson. Oh no, it's Heath Ledger. All right, right. No, oh wait, no, it's Jack Nicholson, Dan. No, oh, no, 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 it's, uh, oh, it's Cesar Romero. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, or it's Mark Hamill, or it's, <coughs> it's all kinds of people. Yeah, I mean, basically my thing is, look, I am a huge fan of Star Trek too. It's one Maybe of, he could pull off a cool con, who knows? That's what I'm saying, I'm, I'm a big fan of Star Trek too. it's one of my favorites. I love how I switched really quick, didn't I? <laughs> No, no, it's it's cool. <laughs> it's like there's only one con. That's You're like, oh, you could do a cool con, I bet. No, no, I mean, I I really like the wrath uh, the wrath of Khan. It's one of it's one of my it's probably in my top three easy of the Star Trek films. Um, it's it's in my top ten of like all time films. I really like that movie a lot. Uh, that being said, I really liked you know uh, Jacko's. Uh, Joker from the uh, the first Batman film. Well, I guess the the second Batman film, if you don't count the 1966 Batman film. Hell yeah! Uh, with like awesome. every single villain in it, with the shark. Yeah, it was like every villain on a submarine or something. Yes, yes. It was awesome. I have that movie, and and they use uh they use uh what like, is it? They use the Batmobile. They use the Bat they, boat, the Batcopter, which has a bat ladder. And they have the uh, the bat shark repellent, yes, which I think only works on hybrid bat sharks, but I'm not sure. Um, but no, no. They, they they roll out the, the it's like what a rope ladder, and at the very the there's a sign on the last rung that says bat ladder. <laughs> the uh, no, no. But I mean, my my point is, as good as Jack's performance was, Heath Ledger's performance was really really good too. And to me, they're they're playing the same character, but they play them so differently. That it's not, you know, I think that they would go that route. I don't think they'd have, if, by the way, it is Del Toro playing Khan. Because, I mean, who knows? They could, you know, slather him with makeup like they did Eric Bana for the 2009 film. Uh, as long as they don't try to redo Khan! Right, as long as they, well, they, I mean, they did do that a little bit. They had Nero shouting Spock in, in much the same way. Spock! But it wasn't, no, it wasn't quite done in the Shatner-esque way. But, you know, but that's my point, though, is that... You know, as long as as long as they don't have Del Toro doing a Ricardo Montalban impression, I'm sure it'll probably be good. And the you know the the way the timeline for that series or that series of films well will be a series of films. The way that timeline for that particular series of films is unfolding, this wouldn't be taking place during that Wrath of Khan time anyway. It would be well before that because uh, that movie was based on a, an episode of the original series. Um, either way, though, I really like Del Toro stuff, and I think it's a really cool addition uh, to that film. So, I mean, because obviously there's not going to be a whole lot of casting news for that movie, because it's already a big ensemble cast, which is already locked into place for three movies. So there's not a lot of huge casting news that's going to break about that, uh, except for that one. So that's pretty cool. Um, man, but that was it. What did you guys Did you guys catch anything on TV other than... Uh, I mean, I only saw the the same three shows I watch every week, <laughs> which is uh, The Walking Dead, uh, Terra Nova, and House, and those are the only things I'm I'm catching. Period. Walking Dead was was really great, but I may have been the only one to have seen it out of the three of us. Am I correct in that assumption? Walking Dead. Yeah. I haven't watched the show yet. I really would like to. And Nick hasn't seen it, sir. Tell I'm me, really, I'm really lazy about watching my Walking Dead right now. So. Oh, I have, I'm watching so. I'm in the middle of Frasier, and I still got the Star Treks and Breaking Bad and Mad Men. It's just Breaking stop Bad. making stop making good TV shows, people. Yes, I remember the day when TV shows were just they sucked. Well, we went through such a terrible time period where there was very few shows on TV, and now it's like every stuff. person is good at everything. They decided to make good programming, and I'm mad. I'm mad because there's too many good things. Yes. Can't keep up. I'm terribly upset about this. Um, well, you know what, man? That's because there is no TV news this week. <clears throat> and unless you guys watch the uh, Snow White and the Huntsman trailer, which I don't think any of you did, there's no talking point there. Does it belo- Is it about uh, Snow White and a Huntsman spider? Uh, but by the way, no, it is not about a Huntsman spider, sir. It's not a Aww. National Geographic film. <laughs> um... I will say that it's like Snow White with like a giant uh, 
put like dinner plate sized spider. Uh, I, I I will say this. I will say this. Um, when I wrote the uh, little write up for it on the website, the only and by the way, I don't post any and just about any and everything that comes up. It's it's got to be something that at least piques my interest to some degree. And this would not have piqued my interest if I had watched it and it had not been a good trailer. So at the very least, it was a very good trailer. Uh, whether or not the movie will end up being that good, you know, I don't know. Uh, here's what uh, I wrote. I said we have a, a gritty, uh, quote-unquote, air quotes, I guess, realistic retelling of a storybook fable. Because it has more of that, uh, it, it's not very cartoony looking at all. In fact, it's a little more dark and, and gritty, actually. Um, it's uh, Charlize Theron is playing the evil queen. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, who is Thor, is playing the huntsman. And uh, the only casting choice here, which I am cringing about somewhat, is Kristen Stewart from Twilight as uh, Snow White. Um, now, here's what I write. Stewart doesn't show up until halfway through the trailer, and she doesn't say a word in the trailer. So either the producers are teasing us with a surprisingly good performance, or they're trying like hell to hide a bad one. Because uh, she literally has no lines in the trailer at all. The trailer looks great. Uh, I would actually recommend everybody go check it out on cinemageekly.com. Uh, you can also get a, a high-def version from uh, QuickTime trailers. But, yeah, I was uh, I was kind of surprised. I, now, this is by no means an endorsement where I'm, I'll be there opening day, but... For the time being, uh, that was a very good trailer to to show people right off the bat. Especially if there's a lot of people out there who are like, Kristen Stewart, uh, which is actually what I actually said out loud in my bedroom by myself. In that voice? In that voice. Um, but yeah, this is the, uh, the part of the program. By the way, if uh, any people listening are movie nerds, now is the time to turn it off. Because from here on out, it's probably going to be video game talk. Because this was, again, a slow week. This week was slower than last week. There was there was virtually no news about anything movie or TV-wise. Just a slow, slow, slow week. Uh, we will return back to movies at the end to talk about what is going to be opening. And to make our predictions for the box office for next week. But uh, after that, though, uh, before we get to that, I should say, lots of video game news. Um, let me let me run over the news real quick first, and then we can talk about um, some stuff that's going on. Uh, DC Universe, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but that is now a uh, free-to-play uh, on PlayStation Network. Is uh, Do you guys know if that's available on Xbox Live? Or is that strictly a PlayStation? What? Uh, DC Universe. I don't know. I haven't seen anything about it. Uh, looking at it on uh, PlayStation Network, they opened it uh, for for all to play, and they have. <laughs> I guess this shouldn't surprise anybody. They are reporting a nine hundred percent increase of users since making it free. Um, the, it is, um, or no, it's for you can play it in Windows. It isn't for Xbox. So. Okay, that's weird. It's for it's Windows. Avail- it is available on PlayStation Network as well for free. Um, and obviously it's, uh, resulted in users reporting really long waits to get into the games. And I bet there's a whole bunch of lag issues as well. Um, also available, I believe this is also available on both platforms, PlayStation Network and Xbox Live. But, uh, the NBA Jam on Fire Edition was the number one game on the PlayStation Network, which, by the way, I've not had a chance to play yet, but, uh, it is excellent. I'm it's really pumped. I don't have the numbers for Xbox Live's top 10 for the month of October, but PlayStation Networks uh, included Mortal Kombat Arcade Collection, which, Ooh, also, I got that. which also sounds awesome. How is it? Is it good? Eh, it's all right. It's essentially, it's like Mortal Kombat Trilogy, kind of. But, okay. But uh, it's uh, the original Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, and Mortal Kombat, or Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. You get all of them in the game, and it's like the original graphics. Right. And uh, you can actually press start. And it will tell you how to do their fatalities. Oh. Um, Angry Birds is also in there. Castlevania, Harmony of Despair, Resident Evil 4, Chrono Trigger. Uh, there's a bunch Chrono, of games that are in You mean Chrono Cross? Uh, no, Chrono Trigger. Is it what? The PlayStation Network? Yes. I noticed, uh, I checked the PSP, uh, I think either today or yesterday, and the store has Chrono Cross in it, too. Ah, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, Chrono Cross is actually one of the first games that 
GameSpot gave a perfect 10 to. Oh, wow. A little bit of old school video game uh, learning yeah, it from came out in 99. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, the uh, the CEO of Ubisoft has announced that there will be a, a full-on Assassin's Creed game for 2012. Uh, did they, yeah. Didn't they just release a new one this year? I think they I think they released a couple of them. There's a few of them. Oh, good lord. For different systems and junk, you know. Um uh, a story that broke on Xbox Live fans, that's a website I'm pretty sure you can tell what it's uh designed around. Perhaps fans of Xbox Live. Mm, yeah, the Atari Lynx. Yeah, that's what uh, they <laughs> <laughs> They uh no no no, they uh they broke the news that I, I guess somebody went to a an Australian government website where they keep uh, ratings for games, things that are going to be released soon, and yeah. they notice that available on multiple platforms, including Xbox Live and PSN, they're going to be releasing a version of the Simpsons arcade game from 1991 oh, yeah. <laughs> fairly soon onto the Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network, so that's awesome. So I think, I think that's for the iPhone. I think you can get that for the iPhone. It's not the same thing. Oh, it's not? Yeah, I, believe, I think it's a different, that's what I've heard. It's like I remember seeing that at like Walmart and stuff in the arcade they had there. Simpsons game. That game's the bomb. Oh man! They got to release that. What was that wrestling arcade game they had? Oh yeah, I, I know which one you're talking about. Um, I, I just throw the stairs at people and junk. Yeah, I can't remember what the name of it is offhand, but that was an awesome game. I just watched a and I just watched a review of that actually online. Uh, the Technos game. Um, it might be. I'm not. I'm not sure. It was you know? Where are you, where are you finding these old video reviews at? Is it just like a <laughs> channel? No, no, no. There's a there's a guy whose name is uh, what's his name is uh, Joe Gagne, um, and he's doing uh, he's doing a series of videos reviewing every wrestling video game, starting from you know the earliest stuff. You know, starting from like an Atari game or everything's just like little triangles. I don't and think stuff. they had any wrestling games for Atari, but I don't know. They may have. Um, he started out with some really ba- you know, really basic early Nintendo games and things like that. Did he did he do Superstars for the Game Boy? Remember that game? He hasn't done Game Boy games. Oh, he's got to do Game Boy games. No, he hasn't done Game Boy games. Um, more news here. We have uh, a Game of Thrones RPG is going to be coming out, which, uh, I don't know, I'm not a big RPG never, guy. I've but never I've seen the games. show, but I've heard good things about it. Uh, game of Thrones is an epic, epic, epic TV. Is that on Netflix? Unfortunately, it is not. It's an HBO program, so I don't... Oh, yeah. Um, and they, it, they have to be like ten years or older to be for HBO to put them on. Yes, like uh, show. it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a, it's a great show. It's a the RPG is set for a 2012 release on Xbox, uh, PlayStation, and PC. Um, here's some news on the 720. One of the first video game stories we we did on the website was how about. Uh, many of the uh, the chip designers and things like that for the new Xbox project. We're talking about how the game system would not be released until 2013, uh, somewhere in that area. Good. They need to stop coming out with new systems. Dude. Well, I don't know, Dan. In, uh, in a recent episode of Windows Weekly with oh. Paul Therot and Leo LeBron. Paul Therot. Paul Therot. And uh, around the Paul 80s. Paul Therot. Well, and Dan, you, you know who Paul Therot is, right? Did he he yeah. used for Windows or? What? Did he used to work for Windows, or has he just written? No, about- he's never he's never worked for Microsoft. He uh, he used to say he didn't like Microsoft products until I think Windows three point one. Maybe he has a lot of sources with inside the company. Yeah, but- he, he has a lot of sources from inside the company. Um, around the eighty eight minute mark of the show, it's leaked. It's uh, linked in our latest Geekly briefs. Um, around the eighty eight minute mark, the Leo asks him about the console. And according to Paul Therat, he has heard that they will be releasing the system not in 2013, but at the end of 2012, which means that they would also be bringing a new system to E3 with them next year. But uh, he also goes on, he also speculates about uh, the design and other techie components and things like that, uh, interconnectivity with other Windows devices and, and things along those lines. Um so I'm not sure what to make of that. I, is next year too early, do you guys, or do you think they should wait until 2013? I would like them to wait till 2013, but can't stop technology, I guess. Uh, how old is how old is the 360 now? It's not that on, old. It's only it like on what, four years or six years then. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. I don't know. Seven years is usually the standard. Right. I mean, it yeah, used the to PS2 be long- was man. That was a long time. It, 
PS2 is like well over 10 years. That's right. how long mine's still working. Because I don't want to buy a PS3 and a PS2 Slim because they won't make them both. <laughs> Microsoft made the 360 backwards compatible. Why can't Sony do that? Oh, Nick knows why they don't do it, right, Nick? People don't want to play those old games, right? Apparently, old games suck. Who would ever want to play an old game? Yeah, like Dot Hack or something. I don't want to go out and buy a new game. 99% of my downloaded games on PlayStation Network are all old games. Yeah. I don't buy any of the new stuff. I buy the PS1 classics and, you know, uh, other things like that. Or if I What you got to do is you got to wait. Like when a game comes out, you want to wait until they come out with a game of the year edition. That way, instead of it being 60 bucks, it's usually like 40 Oh, right, right. You like, get all the uh, download content. Right, right. Like Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Uh, that's one. That's on my list to buy Arkham Asylum. Um, I should mention this because I did get my PlayStation Three back. I'm oh, so happy that PlayStation is, this, is back. How so, big is the hard drive? Uh, well, the 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 one I had, I had the old big clunky one, was only a forty gigabyte uh, PlayStation Three. This one, for less money, was a hundred and twenty gigabyte. So it's a larger hard drive. Um, which isn't as big as some of the other systems out there, but I don't know. It's I think that's like the standard size. I think right now. Um, one thing I did learn. I mean, how do you guys feel about? Because I I've mentioned before, I'm a big baseball nerd, huge baseball fan. Yes. And one of the things I wanted to get more than anything was the uh, 2011 version of MLB's The Show. Because I had 2010, I was eagerly awaiting the 2011 version when my PlayStation died on me and uh, never got around to buying it until literally last week. Uh, So when the PlayStation showed up, the first thing I did was uh, buy the game, but uh, because the the next piece of news is that they announced that MLB 12 will be coming out on March 6th, only a a few months away. Um, I I couldn't bring it. I couldn't bring myself to, to buy the game brand new even though the price is reduced, I went and bought it used. Do you guys, how do you, I, I know buying older games, like for older systems, you have no choice but to buy them used. But how do you guys feel about, you know, buying a, a newer game used versus buying new? Do you guys have to have them brand new or? It know? depends. Um, I'm a big fan of buying used for like something if I just want to try it out. But if I really want to support the, uh, developers i will buy it new right i do buy a lot of stuff new but there has been some stuff that like if i just need to try it out or give it a chance or something i'll buy it used because you know i don't rent anymore i just buy stuff used like i'll probably be buying well dan what about you do you uh do you get do you get it all brand new do you have to have that new package smell uh no not really it depends on what kind of, if it's if it's a game that i really really like yeah i'll buy it new but most of the time i if i can get it used why not Right, I mean, I they usually guarantee them. So. Right, right. I, I mean, I got MLB 11 used mainly because I didn't want to wait until March 6th to play a baseball game. I didn't want to play my old game because they no longer support the updates for it, yeah. and they usually stop supporting the updates for the new games as soon as the newest game comes out. Yeah, I hate that. Um, which it's like on uh, the iPad when the EA comes out with like a new game, yeah, like a new Madden or something, they immediately get rid of the old one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I wanted to get it before I wanted to get MLB 11 before they stopped supporting it, so I could download all of the pertinent updates that were made to it and things like that. Uh, they aren't going to make any more updates to it before the next game comes along, clearly. But uh, that being said, buying it used because all the PlayStation 3 discs are all Blu-ray discs mm-hmm. uh, inherently, so they're pretty well protected against damage or anything like that. And uh, I got the game pretty darn cheap from from Amazon with Amazon Prime which I'm only using for like a month but uh, that being said it, it got here within it got here within like a day well we usually we usually get Amazon Prime like right around this time of the year for Christmas shopping and things like that to get stuff here quickly um, but no I'm, I'm fully I'm definitely gonna be buying the new game when it came out I just uh, I couldn't wait essentially what it, what it boils down to and by the way um, this is going to be this is a bitter pill for me to swallow, but that's just what happens. That uh, Major League Baseball has a better agreement with 2K Sports than it does with MLB The Show. 2K goes across platforms, while uh, MLB The Show is PlayStation exclusive. Even though that more how does the show work? Is don't you get to create a player and you get to play as them? And um, play that's as a, the... that's a mode that you can do. Yeah. How does that work? Does it 
do you get to like level up and you actually get to play in the game as like a shortstop or something? Yeah, that's essentially how it works. Um, do you get to like level up and get new equipment and stuff? Um, well, I mean, it doesn't quite work like an RPG, but what it you get a chance to to better your skill. Usually, what happens is you uh, we're gonna get way off topic here, but we're gonna you start on uh, you start in like double A. You play mm-hmm. spring, you play spring training games, but then usually don't make the team out of spring training. And then they send you to their double-A affiliate. And um, basically, depending on what your position is, you'll only be playing um, spots. Like, you won't sit there and play the entire game. It'll it'll jump to spots. Like, you know, when you're on defense, if you're playing shortstop, it'll jump to a point when the ball is going to be hit to you. You don't know where it's going to be hit. You just know it's going to be coming towards you, and it's up to you to, you know, field it properly or handle it or whatever. And you get points, you know, based on how well you handle the situation or how badly you do it. Um, and then, of course, you know, for offense and things like that, uh, how well you do there also uh, depends on things. The coach will, every once in a while, give you some sort of objective to meet, like, you know, we need to get a base hit here, don't strike out here, we need to advance the runner, you know, something something like that. You get little points for accomplishing those goals. Um, you even get partial points if you uh, don't quite accomplish the goal, but you get a positive result or something like that. Um, and, you know, essentially the idea is to work your way up to the major leagues, but you can play all positions. Uh, if you play catcher, you get to call the entire game. Uh, oh, that's cool. You know, things like that. It's that That's a really cool aspect. That gives those games uh, a lot of replay value, obviously. For me, I like playing 162-game seasons with uh, with teams or whatever and try to win the World Series and things like that. But after you do that, you get a lot of replay value. Um, that's that's why it's one of my one of my favorite games. It's probably the best baseball series I, I've ever played so uh, and that's saying something because I've played a lot of baseball games uh, I don't like I don't care for the 2k sports series even though uh, I have to give big ups to Justin Verlander who's the uh, cover boy for the 2k 12 game that's going to be coming out next year uh, I won't be buying it even though I love Justin Verlander but uh, no no support for me I cannot I cannot uh, force myself to buy that crappy crappy game I, I shouldn't even say it's crappy uh, they they get okay reviews, but um, it's just not as great a game as uh, the show is kind of overall. Um, I guess the the big news video game wise, you guys, is Modern Warfare Modern Warfare Three set uh, a single day entertainment record. Whoa, really? Plus, yeah. In case you haven't heard the news, six point five million copies in one day between the United States and the UK. Uh, it beat uh, the, the record Star Trek The Next Generation set for the Sega Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> it beat the uh, the E.T. game for... New- <laughs> Atari. <laughs> yeah, it beat it's a out... Um, pieces of a phone. Paperboy. It beat, it beat out uh, Black Ops and Modern Warfare 2, which previously set the records. Yeah, man, it was... Uh, it, it beat both of them combined? No, no, not combined. It made four hundred. Oh. It made four hundred million dollars on its opening day. Uh, Black Ops made three hundred and sixty its opening Dang. day, and uh, Modern Warfare Two made three hundred and ten million. Um, here's some words from the CEO of Activision Blizzard. He said, <laughs> "It's the I'm launch. Rich. <laughs> that's that's what it is." Unquote. I am rich. Uh, we believe the launch of Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Three is the biggest entertainment launch of all time in any medium, and we achieved this record with sales from only two territories. Other than Call of Duty, there has never been another entertainment franchise that has set opening day records three years in a row. This man would be pissed. Um, he does, He then goes on to have a really vague and weird quote. that He says, uh, This also exceeds worldwide theatrical box offices for Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, two of the most successful entertainment franchises of all time. Whose tickets uh, did not cost $60 a piece. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, there's that. There are two different mediums. And he must be talking about, like, worldwide theatrical box office for a single day. Yeah. He must be. Because I just went and looked on Box Office Mojo for just the first Lord of the Rings film, and it almost made $900 million worldwide. Yeah, like, I think, uh, didn't Return of the King make over a billion? Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's no there must be talking about single day records here. Yeah. Let's not even talk about the fact that because he, he was smart to at least mention theatrical box office for the franchises because if you include like 
Star Wars and Lord of the Rings merchandise outside of the movies. Oh, like DVDs and stuff, yeah. Well, I mean, that and memorabilia and toys and all this other stuff. That's all part of the franchise. Uh, so, yeah, Mod- Modern Warfare 3, very impressive numbers for a single day uh, for anything. But I just, I just thought that was a weird quote. You know, we Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, even though our, the tickets for them were three times less than the cost of our video game. Yeah. Um, so a big difference there. But uh, do you, um, Dan, I know I know you have it. Nick, is this your kind of game? Do you have this? Or are you looking, looking to get it? Or is it um, your thing? I might pick it up. It's not something I have my heart set on. I'm not big on the shooters. Not I'm a- not really a big shooter fan either, but. I, lo- I like the customization stuff they do. Plus, they made. Uh, I don't really like the stories that much because well, you started playing it, man. What, what do you What do you think of it? How long have you been playing it for? Uh, well, I got it Wednesday, so I'm playing it for probably three days or so. Okay, well, I mean, and what are the first the, impressions? Because you had, you played Black Ops as well, too, right? Yeah, the story. I think Black Ops had a better story. I don't know espionage and all that stuff. Uh, I I always like the Modern Warfare 2, you know, the no Russian level, the infamous no Russian level. Yeah. Which is kind of like the crux of the plot mm-hmm. for the whole se- like the whole series. Um I didn't like that level because he's it's like pl- there's like plot holes or something. He wants to make it seem as though the US created a uh, a terrorist act in Russia and then get political power to invade the US, but the guy is not wearing like a he's not wearing anything over his face. You can clearly tell who he is. <laughs> Uh, how do the how do people not go? Hey, you you're president of the country and you're killing those people. But uh, when you go the the people don't buy these games for the for the uh, single player. Right. They buy it for the multiplayer and the the new spec ops stuff, which started with Modern Warfare Two. Is there's actually a, a separate leveling system for the spec ops with different missions. Right. And there's a there's also a survival mode. You know, a la the Nazi game mode from. Uh, Treyarch games. Okay. Although this is much easier. Right now, I'm by myself in the middle of a game where I'm at wave 27, and I'm doing it by myself. <laughs> I couldn't get past wave 5 on zombies by myself. So mm-hmm. just an overall better game, you're saying? Like better... Yeah, and that's that's not even talking about the multiplayer. More user-friendly Mul- and things like that. Multiplayer, at first, I didn't like it because you have to wait until you're level 19 to play hardcore, which is right. when you can actually kill people without putting 50 bullets into them. And... Uh, once you get to hardcore, it's awesome. I mean, the, there's different types of kill streaks now. There's some where you have to get a certain number of kills in a row to get them without dying, and the ones that I use, you just have to get a certain amount of kills. Like you could, you could get five kills in a game and die in between every kill and still get the kill streak. Where do you, uh, where do you guys reckon this? Uh, I mean, this is, I don't know. Is it just me or did Call of Duty kind of? just come out of nowhere i mean it seems like they kind of came out of the the shadows of like halo and, yeah. and things like that i mean the first game i think came out in 2003 and they were all world <laughs> it was it was pretty much another one of those where you you know you throw a rock and you hit a world war ii game right you know medal of honor battlefield i think battlefield had a uh world war ii games and uh call of duty started off as a world war or World War II until Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and that's really the game that changed everything. Right. Yep. Because uh, first off, it was you know modern times, and second, it uh, it uh, had the leveling system where you could customize what what guns you used, what attachments, what perks, which are like modifiers to you know your guy, you know the the person you're using, a player. And by the way, that's why I'm guessing Joe isn't here right now. My my guess is he logged on to Skype, started playing <laughs> Modern Warfare Three. And has perhaps maybe run out of Mountain Dew bottles to get double XP, and has run out to go get more. And, uh, <laughs> forgot that there was a podcast today. Uh, at, least, at least that's my guess. Um, you guys, um, if uh, if the shooting thing isn't your style, uh, Sir Nicholas, what what in fact is like? What's the? Because I'm a Dan, I don't know, Dan. What would you say that your your style of game? Because me, I'm I'm more of a sports gamer, but I I, I like kind of you know uh, everything. I don't know. Um, I'm not huge into shooting games, but I'm more of like a, a platformer. Or I mean, because I, I I was gonna say platformer, but mo- a lot of games are a combination now, right? Like I wouldn't call uh, like the new Batman games, like the Arkham games. I wouldn't call those platformers or like RPG. Action, yeah, a lot of things first person, 
That's like a hybrid of multiple. It's like game Borderlands, comments. where it's Borderlands has a mix of like Grand Theft Auto and RP, like a RPG and a first-person shooter all in one. Well, what's your? Th- I think thing? I'm. I think yeah. I'm more of a. I really like Japanese RPGs. Okay. JRPGs, yeah. Yeah, I like I like the Final Fantasy games and stuff. The Western RPGs are they're really good, but there's just so much to do. I mean. I'm one of those people who like I like I like I likes I like organization. Right, right. So JRPGs are really structured. Like, oh, you go here, you go here. There's a side mission you can do at this point, but usually you just go here, here. Then you got to do this. Right. Western RPGs, you can you can go over there if you want, but you can just go over there too, or you could go over there or over there. And there's just so many things to do. There's 97 side missions. Yep. Yeah. And then like there's the, side missions within side missions. <laughs> there's like a Morrowind. Uh, the strategy guide. It's like, like the inception of games. Yeah, like this, like the main part of the strategy guide for the main game is like forty pages, and the rest of the <laughs> four hundred or the rest of the two hundred are just side quests. And there's so many things to do. You know, it's bad when the uh, the game manual is actually a series of manuals that come out. <laughs> um, Nick, I mean, what what kind of gamer are are you, sir? I guess you could say I'm big on the platforms. You know, I'm a big retro gamer. If you look at my like you can see it, <laughs> the game shelf in my room is basically filled with original NES and Sega Genesis games for the most part. But right. you know, I'm a big follower of Nintendo, and like anything Nintendo that comes out, I'm very you know I'm excited right. for. Right. So, well, okay, well then, uh, best best Super Mario platformer, sir. Um, it's uh, toss up between Mario Brothers three and uh, Super Mario World. Uh, for SNES, yes, those are both awesome, awesome games. Uh, Actually, Super Mario Land 3D comes out on Sunday, and I'll be going to get that. What about Mario RPG? That's actually a really fun game. Yeah, I heard something about it. It seemed really cool. Sonic tried doing that on the DS with, uh, what was it, Dark Brotherhood? Yeah. I kind of wanted to try that out. It looked kind of cool. You, you'd have like regular Sonic levels where you'd have the loops where you'd super spin through them, but then you'd get in battles, and you could have, like, each character would have little actions they could perform. I'd, I'd ask you what your... I'd ask you what your favorite Sonic uh, Sonic game is, but I, I can't I can't pick one because that's like picking between children for me. Sonic gonna... Sonic was the character uh, Dan and I grew up with because we weren't uh, Nintendo people. The first system we got was a Sega Genesis. So with Sonic is... Rumble, Sonic Two, and Tecmo Super Bowl. Those are the first games we got. Yeah, Dan remembers this. Yeah, um, Tecmo, awesome Tecmo Super Bowl is still. Uh, way awesome, by the way. I bought the. Uh, still play that. I bought yeah, the. Uh, with like Madden, what thirteen or Madden twelve out? It's like it still hasn't topped. Uh, I bought the. Uh, I bought the great remake version they have on PlayStation Network, where you can still, uh, you can play the game with the new graphics, but you can also transfer oh, yeah. it to the Tech to the old graphics. Back. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great. Still um, rock the NES version of Tecmo uh, <sighs> Super Bowl at parties. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> it's a great game. It's like um, so simple yet. I don't know, man. I I love I love all the Sonic games. Sonic Two is probably a favorite because that was the first Sonic game I ever had. I remember um, we beat that. We were like really, really, really little. Yes, we we, we had a huge celebration over yeah, beating I remember, Sonic I Two. I was like, I was walking nice. through the hallway and I hear you go, Dad! and I run in there like I beat it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. it's huge news. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, my they. They blew my mind when they came out with Sonic and Knuckles, and I could put a game into a game. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sonic blew, and Knuckles is probably my favorite. That blew my mind. Uh, second half of Sonic 3, actually. Yeah. I, and I really like Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah, and you could have Knuckles playing Sonic 2, and you could like get in areas of uh, levels you've never been to. And, man, I know, I, know it was, I know it was easy, and I know it was a lot of retreading of, of past levels and things like that, but I even like that Sonic 4 that they released online. Oh, I didn't. I didn't like some of the bosses. I can't. Some of the bosses are just ridiculous on the game. My I mean, biggest. I, I beat it, but I mean, it's you know. My biggest problem with that game is the final boss is directly out of Sonic Two. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's. I, really was, I was gonna say though, if I had to pick a Sonic game, Sonic CD is my favorite. I don't know if you guys ever played. Oh, that. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I I think I've played it once. I've like, played it. Um, was that for Sega Saturn or was that for Sega CD? Sega, Sega CD. CD. We were lucky enough to actually have a Sega CD. And it's oh, one of the two games we owned. Oh yeah, with Prize Fighter and Fahrenheit. And yeah, we had Fahrenheit, Prize Shark, Rage in the Cage. Oh, Rage in the Cage was awesome. Sewer Shark. Well, Rage in the Cage was just like a steroided version of uh, Royal. It's Rumble. like both Royal Rumbles mixed together from the. Heck yeah. 
in the Sega mixed together. Without Finkel announcing. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. Really crappy it video. Cool because, it, because it would just like play like a little sound file of Howard Finkel announcing them, and then like the wrestler would say something. Yes. <laughs> um, and, I am, by the way... Do their special moves and stuff. I am, by the way, excited for the first time in a long time uh, being a, a kind of sort of meh wrestling fan. Uh, for the first time in a long time, I'm actually kind of excited about the new WWE game that's coming out. Oh, me too. Like, uh, it's going to be awesome. I it might... actually looks cool for the first time in a long and time. In 64, oh, yeah. those games? Um, well, Dan, here, I don't know if cause you probably haven't been keeping up on the developments. And I, I wasn't keeping up on the developments until they announced that they weren't going to be doing the, uh, the dreaded SmackDown versus Raw series, which it felt like they were just making the same game every year and they just added... <laughs> Oh yeah. Added some people to it and look, you can change the wrestlers' tights colors. Marginally increase things here and there. Um they went with a whole new engine, it looks like, for this year's game. They're just calling it WWE twelve for you know, apparently for two thousand and twelve. Um uh, there it looks like they went with a whole new engine. The uh the grappling system they said, uh obviously I haven't had a chance to play anything yet. I'm actually surprised they haven't put out a demo yet, because the game comes out on the twenty second. Um but the grappling system I heard was much more akin to the old N64 games where it's not a whole bunch of button combos to do moves and weird joystick moves. It's more, you know, of a button pushing system like the old games were, which I have to say I am a massive fan of. Oh, yeah. Um, but they, they went and uh, they've done a lot of other things as far as it relates to a creative stuff. One of the things that I thought was really uh, boss was that they are doing a create your arena thing. Oh yeah! You can literally design everything from the entrance way to everything. Oh, that sounds cool! And yeah, you can make your own. What's the name of the game? Uh, WWE Twelve. Oh. And it and for the first time in a long time, I have some interest in a wrestling game because uh, I, I played a couple of the early SmackDown games, but the last one I think I really liked was uh, Here Comes the Pain. Right. Probably the last. What about the ones for the PlayStation? Uh, uh, what war zone? I mean, like war zone. Those were <laughs> screw those games. <laughs> the horrible games. They followed. They followed up the the greatness of the N sixty four games. Uh, the pinnacle of which was was No Mercy. Uh, I know. I know. Joe mentioned on last week's podcast that uh, w- what was it? WCW versus the World was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind of the that was the template, the AKI template for those other games. After that, they did WCW NWO Revenge. Uh, but all of the games that followed kind of built on that template uh, of those games, the look and the feel and how they all worked. Um, I don't feel like any of them were, were bad games at all. In fact, I think they only improved as they went on uh, with WrestleMania 2000 and then No Mercy. To me, No Mercy is the, the pinnacle. It, it took that type of uh, game and the engine. It basically took the engine as far as it possibly could go. Um, one thing that I wish that they would do is do a, a re-release of of that, you know, with like current wrestlers and things like that, put it on PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, and it'd sell a crapload of copies, I'm sure of it. You know, the game they really need to re-release is Fire Pro Wrestling. Fire Pro Wrestling, which is uh, also a really great series. Uh, I've never had so much fun playing an hour-long match in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Dan and I played, uh, what was it? We got like SmackDown vs. Raw 2009, and we just sat there. And it was the worst experience we've ever had. In fact, it got so bad at one point, we just started laughing. There was so much... It was just bad game-making. It, it just wasn't fun. It seemed like people would like constantly miss each other or run into things or do something stupid. or It just, you know, it didn't feel like... It didn't feel like we were having fun. And the only time when we were having fun was when we were laughing at how bad it was. Uh, you don't want that in a video game, especially something you're charging so much money for. Oh, yeah. It looks like they may have finally turned the corner after uh, after what feels like a zillion years of, of bad WWE games. Um, well, we're going to... Uh, oh. I was going to say, I actually have a bit of news. Oh, go ahead, man. Um, I don't know if you guys have read the review yet for uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. It just came out today. I have not. Um, IGN. What is, that, what is that out for? For the Wii. Okay. It's the next big title in the Zelda series. They made a very bold statement at the beginning of it by saying Skyward Sword is the greatest Zelda game ever created. It's the wow. best game for the Wii and one of the finest gaming accomplishments of the past 10 years. Well, they're talking they're talking shit then because to me 
uh, Ocarina of Time is still Hell yeah. It says that it met it, it's met its match and that it's the first Zelda game since Ocarina of Time to get a perfect 10 out of 10. Wow. Yeah. They said wow. even the controls in the game are so well done that you'll never want to go back to the old way of playing Zelda. Uh, if there was, I'm going to have to take a look at that. Uh, it, did it, it's it already out? Or? It just no, it comes out next Sunday. They just released an early review of it. and Okay. It got me really excited. What is that review courtesy of? IGN. Okay. Um, yeah, that's... It's not It's not going to be enough to make me want to get a Wii, but right. I miss playing those Zelda games. That, that's enough to get... I love uh, Zelda games. It's my I'm favorite so game series. Yeah. I'm so behind on the, the Zelda series right now. I mean, uh, when... I, still, I, I haven't even beaten all the Game Boy Color ones, because there's... What is it? Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. And, yeah. And you got, I think... Then you got Minish Cap for GBA, and the That's DS really... has two of them. I just beat Minish Cap this year. Uh, DS games I wouldn't bother with. I, I played, uh, which one did, what's the first one that came out for the DS? Um, uh, Phantom Hourglass. Yeah, I played, I loved that one. That one was awesome. It you was a good draw, one. You could draw the boomerang, and it would like, phew, that's awesome. It was cool, but the second one just seemed like such a copycat of it that I, you know, I didn't even finish it. Yeah, I, um... I just I love Zelda. I'm over I'm over my head, but because that's I, why a lot of people were. I remember when uh, they talked about Microsoft Exec during the. I don't. It might have been uh, might have been E3 in like 2006 or something when they were announcing the Wii mm-hmm. and uh, PlayStation was coming out with PS3 and Microsoft Exec didn't even consider uh, Nintendo a challenger. Like we're we're playing against Sony right now, and it's like you can't like they have Zelda and Mario and and Metroid. It's like those are like three gigantic series by themselves. Um, yeah, the, the only the only games I've had the the fortune of playing uh, are Ocarina, Majora's Mask, and uh, I can't quite remember the name of the uh, the GameCube game. Wind Waker. Wind Waker, oh, Wind which Waker. was also which was also really fun. Oh yeah, uh, um, I had a lot of fun with those. That giant. Hand. I love when you hook the Game Boy up to it, the GBA. You get that little that weird guy who talks. Hey! And they're they're teasing yeah. and they're teasing uh they're teasing a Zelda game I think also for the the Wii U as well so right oh, they've gotta, uh, hopefully they, the Wii U will be backwards compatible with the Wii so I can just get that there you go they're talking about re-releasing Majora's Mask for DS and they're also talking about a remake of uh, a Link to the Past which is probably the best Zelda game ever for like yeah, the, Link to the Past came out for the GBA well it came out for the SNES then. They release it for the. DS. Are you talking about for the 3DS? Yeah, for the 3DS. Okay. I, I want to get a 3DS too, not for the 3D, but because it has the it has a little joystick on it. And it has Netflix, sir. Which, by the way, is an inst- which is a fantastic segue. <laughs> the 3DS we're, has Netflix. Yeah. Yep. Holy uh, crap, that's awesome. That's a awesome. It's cool. It's an awesome segue. <laughs> hey, do we a- got Wi-Fi in the classroom? <laughs> yeah, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awesome segue, you guys, for uh, a new segment we're going to do here on the Cinema Geekly podcast called Netflix Picks. And if we're smart, we'll get some sort of jingle to go along with it. But right now, we, we don't have jingles. So. There you go. Dan's uh, provided us with a jingle. Uh, essentially, uh, we, we go around the round table. This week, it's kind of a, a, a Triforce. See, there's a look at that Zelda reference. Oh, yeah. It's a, tri- it's a Triforce of people today. Don't let Ganondorf know. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go around the uh, we're gonna go around the tri the the triaded uh, the triple sided table here, and uh, we're each week we're gonna do this and give you the listener something to maybe you know check out. Go on your Netflix instant queue and and give it a look see because there's a lot of stuff out there, man, that a lot of people have not seen uh, or maybe should be. Uh, opening their eyes to. So uh, let's start with Dan. What, what what do you think people should go out of the way? And and by the way, this is movies or TV shows because they're kind of all available on there on Netflix. Oh, I'm going to recommend Half Nelson. Okay. With Ryan Gosling and I think her name is Sharika Epps, maybe related to Omar Epps. Okay. What's the what's the story around around that flick? Never... Uh, it's a friendship that forms between a uh, a student. And a history teacher who is, happens to be addicted to heroin. Oh, okay. Who Ryan Gosling plays. It's a really good movie. I have never even heard. I, well, maybe I've heard of it. It sounds familiar. It's like a ringing familiarity, but I don't think I've ever seen it. He also likes to put people in health nelsons, apparently. No. Uh, <laughs> that's the other That's the other thing. He can't <laughs> stop doing that. 
<laughs> the uh, heroine makes him do it. But no, it's a really, really good movie. Okay, uh, Nick, what do you what do you recommend out there for people? I recommend two TV shows. Um, okay, well, Nick's going against the grain here. He's recommending two shows. Are they related in some way? No, they're not. But it's just what I've been watching. Um, the first one is called Thumbs Up. Okay, it's, just, it's about uh, two gentlemen who are hitchhiking across America, and it just shows them basically hitchhiking without any money or anything. It's documentary style. Awesome. Okay, that sounds cool. And the other one that I just finished, uh, Trailer Park Boys. Ooh, Trailer Park Boys. Okay, I haven't yeah. seen that either. Okay, what's that all about? It's basically like a Canadian comedy series about these three guys that live in the trailer park and how they're constantly trying to make money by doing uh, like some sort of crime or something. It's kind of stupid funny, but it is very funny. Like I laughed a lot watching it. I I always heard like Canadian, like the Canadian jackass, but no, I wouldn't okay. say okay. that so much. Okay, because that was kind of like a turnoff for me. I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch that. Hey, is a uh... Are the kids in the hall on Netflix? Uh, I'm not. Comedy? I'm not sure. That's a um, show. My uh, my my pick for this week, and by the way, I'm I'm gonna. This is gonna be my pick every week until everybody watches it. Is uh, the uh, Ron Moore's reimagined Battlestar Galactica show? I, I don't have to watch it on Netflix because I own the the series on on Blu-ray. But um, essentially, I know uh, we had this discussion about The Walking Dead, which was it's not. A zombie TV show. It's uh, a character. It's a character-driven show about people that happen to live in a world full of zombies. Um, so the the first thing I've, there are anti-sci-fi people out there who think this is uh, like a Star Trek show full of uh, aliens and technobabble and and things like that. Uh, it is not. It, it is in fact what is what Walking Dead is, but uh, to uh, to the sci-fi genre, it is a it's a character-driven story about people who happen to be in spaceships, but it's really it's unrelated. Uh, well, no, the, the story... A for, lot of, uh, isn't there a lot of political commentary, too? Is a, is a yeah. boatload of political commentary, uh, things like that, but not not in a boring way, but in a very nice, dramatic way. A lot of people hated the uh, the ending of the series, but uh, those people are wrong. <laughs> those people are wrong. Stating a fact. They're also, they're also just horrible people. I uh, I think you can tell my passion for this TV show by the links that I just ranted about it. Uh, I, I just really love the show, and I will, in fact, not be picking it again next week. I just wanted to make it my first pick. So I, I would highly recommend people add it to your queues, even if you don't get around to, to watching it right away. It's only four seasons, so it's not a, it's not one of those 25-season shows like Cheers or, uh, or Frasier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who have a million seasons. Cheers um, rocks. Cheers, Cheers, is, Cheers is a great show. Um, watch Cheers, people. It's on instant. <laughs> yes, and Frasier's, too. <clears throat> also, I would like to, uh, also, I'd like to say really quick that I'm upset that Black Dynamite is not on instant right now. Yeah, what the hell? Uh, oh, it's not anymore? No, it's not, sir. Neither is The Man from Earth. Which, which, is, another, which is another movie that I, which would have probably been my pick for this week if it was on instant, but it isn't, so... Um, usually they have a deal where those shows and movies are on for about a year, sometimes two years, and when the deal is up, they renegotiate or they have something else they're going to be doing. But I maybe, I don't know, maybe they took Black Dynamite off because of the cartoon series that they're supposed to be uh, launching for. We talked about that a few episodes back uh, as well. So uh, we have, uh, by the way, it's uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 is coming out on Blu-ray. That's... Uh, uh, an unofficial. Usually, they have movies kind of lodged together in uncertain days. Uh, this week it would be November fifteenth. Tuesdays usually release the release date, but uh, Deathly Hallows Part Two is going to be coming out on Blu-ray and DVD on Monday the fourteenth. So there's that. But uh, the rest of the releases for uh, November the fifteenth are uh, Beginners, uh, a DreamWorks Dragons double feature, which I'm guessing is a uh, how to Train Your Dragon, and I think there was also uh, like a, a mini movie about How to Train Your Dragon, or combining that. Uh, the complete series of Farscape is coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, the Tom Hanks movie Larry Crown, the much maligned Larry Crown, is coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, Looney Tunes Platinum Collection Volume One is coming out on Blu-ray. That's awesome. Yes. Um, and there's also also an Ultimate Collector's Edition, uh, the 1964 My Fair Lady. Is coming out on Blu-ray, 
and uh, West Side Story and the limited edition gift set of West Side Story all coming out on Blu-ray this week. So not, not even a lot of releases this week on Blu-ray. Uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2, clearly the uh, the big release for uh, that uh, this particular week. Uh, well, you guys, we made it through the show without Joe McDonald, without Jason, without Aaron. Just us three, we made it through, you guys. So we have uh, one last thing to discuss, and that is the uh, the box office for next week. Mm-hmm. And it's not looking... I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll see. I, I think the the key here is is will Puss in Boots hold on for a third week? It's gone uh, two I'm going, weeks. I'm going to go with Immortals. Well, that's what's opening. Uh, opening. That's by the way, opening today, November the 11th, 11, 11, 11. Um, Immortals is opening. That would be the uh, if you've seen 300, it looks exactly like 300, but this time with Mickey Rourke in it. Uh, I think that's what Immortals is. It's towing 38 percent right now. Yeah, on Rotten I'm Tomatoes. Not see that movie. It's um, but it looks like it's co- a lot of people. I don't know. Thor was really popular, and uh, right. people like 300. It's trying to capitalize on those types of movies. So. Uh, well, it's made by the same people, the producer. I mean, it's not Zack Snyder directing it. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to uh, to the Descendants. Are you Alexander uh, Payne movie? I really want to see that. Okay, well, that's coming out next week, Dan. <laughs> Talk about that now. <laughs> that will not make the the box office. It's not going to be number one either because Twilight Saga is coming out that week oh, as God. well. Um, Breaking duh. So we have uh, Immortals. We have the uh, Adam Sandler pretending to be Eddie Murphy movie, oh, Jesus. where he plays two roles, Jack and Jill. <laughs> uh, that looks like utter crap, but apparently. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm just straight shooting here. Apparently, Al Pacino is actually in the movie, which uh, I thought, uh, apparently he shows up at a Lakers game with Johnny Depp in cameo roles, but then Pacino's role stops being a cameo, and he's in, like, the last hour of the movie. Uh, so, yeah, but that movie is... Last to- hour? How many hours are there? That movie is towing a massive 3% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, and that is... <laughs> <laughs> Are you laughing at poor Jack and Jill, Dan? I love that's... Tom Long's review. The apocalypse starts here. <laughs> and that's, by the way, that's uh, 3% out of 59 reviews. <laughs> I only have two positive reviews. <laughs> um, let's read, Let's. by the way, let's, let's oust these people for being crazy. Michael A. Smith of Media Mike's. Media Mike's Michael A. Smith says, The premise gets annoying after a while, but that is when Pacino shows up to make things interesting. He gets great laughs spoofing his serious side while on stage, and when his Oscar is accidentally damaged, zings the Academy Awards. That's his positive review. And by the way, he on Rotten Tomatoes, he has 93 comments to his review, so I'm guessing it's people bashing him for thinking this film was decent. Uh, and by the way, John Hazelton from Screen International says, it won't make uh, new converts, but Adam Sandler fans will be plenty happy with Jack and Jill a broad and endearingly loopy family comedy in which Sandler stars alongside himself in drag, and even more bizarrely, El Pacino playing himself. You read the review above it. Uh, so, oh, and the review right above it is from Mike Scott, who, by the way, gave it a negative review. His This is this is his review quote. Sigh. Really? El Pacino? Really? <laughs> really, El Pacino? Really? <laughs> That's his... That is the summation of his. That sucks because Adam Sandler could probably be a really, be in really good movies, but I think Sandler. Sandler, This stuff stuff makes money for him, so he's just going to keep doing it. I think Sandler's a good dramatic actor, a serious actor. I liked him in Punch Drunk Love. I liked him in People. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, You know, he's good, serious, in a serious role, but comedy wise, you know, I'm, I'm done with the, you know, uh. Some of, like, some of his CDs were funny, but. I don't know. Um, the other film, I'm going to mention this, it does, I don't think it stands a chance of going anywhere, but it's called uh, um, Melancholia. It's a science fiction art house film directed by Lars von Trier. Um, who that name sounds familiar. Why is uh, he's made a lot of foreign movies that never get fairly wide releases, or it's mo- he's mostly a, a snobby uh, film director. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, Doing a I'm better than all of you. Doing a, a sci-fi film, by the way, with Kirsten Dunst. Is Kirsten Dunst, and by the way, Kirsten Dunst won the Best Actress Award at the Cannes Film Festival for this film. Uh, apparently, she has an amazing performance in it. It's a uh, 77% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Out of 117 reviews, 
Um, it's a it's kind of, it's a sci-fi film, kind of about the end of the world. Um, apparently, it's a really good film, and I'm a I'm a big sci-fi fan, and I like cerebral. This is where this would one of those Netflix categories, Dan. Cerebral sci-fi films. Uh, this is this would be one of them, like Moon or uh, or uh, Children of Men, things like that. Those were great cerebral sci. Oh yeah, he's made a lot of movies that I haven't seen, but I want to because I hear stuff about them, like uh, foreign films with subtitles and things like that. Hmm? Where are like, your monocles, like, there? Like Breaking Waves and Dogville. Let's see, what's the other Antichrist? Yes. That's I've a, heard a lot of good things about these movies, and I just haven't seen them. Lars von Trier, sir. Nick, Nick in the meanwhile, is like, who's that guy? <laughs> hey, man. Quit talking uh, about Dogville it. made $1.5 at the box office. Nick's like, Nick's like, less spaceship talk, more Zelda talk. Let's go back to talk about Zelda. Uh, no, you guys, we, did, uh, we, we made it, man. Applaud yourselves. You guys did a fantastic job. Uh... <laughs> That's the, uh, the Cinema Geekly podcast for this week. And once again, I apologize for any um, movie fans that came here expecting more than 15 minutes or so of movie talk. But it was that kind of week, you guys. It's the uh, early weeks of November, and there isn't a lot of stuff happening right now. Once we hit December, though, lots of stuff coming in December. Big uh, movie releases and things like that. And, of course, there's going to be production starting on a lot of new films and uh, close to the release of, of early 2012 films as well. So once again, that was the Cinema Geekly podcast for this week. You can check us out online at cinemageekly.com, facebook.com, slash cinemageekly, twitter.com, slash cinemageekly, uh, to slash cinemageekly for the new Google Plus page. You can uh, email us at info at cinemageekly.com. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we're about halfway to 100 followers on facebook but lagging far behind on twitter and look i i know i don't follow a lot of the places that i like to visit and read news from i don't follow a lot of them on facebook and twitter either but those places aren't saying hey get us some followers and we'll give away something that's what we're gonna do we're gonna give away something and i haven't even decided what that's going to be yet we're still uh i'm still kind of deciding whether it's going to be a game or if it's going to be a dvd or blu-ray uh, but we will, in fact, be giving away something, and it will be something cool and good. And We got swag, baby. Nice swag from Cinema Geekly. Uh, so until next week, I am Anthony Lewis. I'm Dan Lewis. And I'm Nick Montes. And we'll see you next week, folks. Bye.